back in uh, Romans chapter chapter 12. We're taking a journey through this chapter on our theme, and of course our theme for the year, you see it right behind me on the banner out of 1 John chapter 5 verse 4, talks about uh, overcoming and, and faith and victory, amen? And if there's ever a time as Christians that we need to be victorious, it's now, amen? Listen to me, church, now's not the time to quit, amen? Now's not the time to put it on cruise control, now's the time, listen, shift it into overdrive and let's hit it and get it to the finish line, amen? Hey, come on folks, I believe Jesus is coming soon, do you not? Can you not look around and see what's going on in our world and to know that uh, God is uh, about ready to intervene and uh, start His next uh, uh, phase of His plan uh, to, uh, for uh, turning His attention back to the nation of Israel through the tribulation time. And so you know what that means? As a church of Jesus Christ, we got to get busy. Amen? we got to stay busy. we got to stay on fire for the Lord. And so if there's ever a time to be victorious, it's right now. And so that's what we're preaching on this year. And we've been taking a journey through Romans chapter 12. So if you find your place, stand with me together. And uh, as we have been doing, let's look at the last verse. And this is kind of the theme uh, as far as goes along with 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Notice what it says in verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And then if you will, go back up to verse 9. Verse 9. Notice what he says here. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, God. And, and Lord, today's your day. It belongs to you. It's the Lord's day. And I pray that you would uh, help us today, speak to us today. Uh, Lord, uh, we bind Satan, all his devils, all of his minions, Lord, uh, from having power here. Uh, Lord, we pray the blood of Jesus Christ over this place that we're gathered. And I pray, Lord, that you'd meet with us today. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd be active in our midst. I pray that you would work on the hearts of your people. And Lord, I pray if someone isn't saved, Lord, that they would accept you today before it's eternally too late. We love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Now, as we've been taking our journey through Romans chapter 12, again, the last verse says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And what the Bible gives us in chapter 12 are the practical action steps on how to overcome evil. And that's what we've been preaching about as we're going through Romans chapter 12. I'm not going to review everything I've been preaching because there's a lot of it, amen? There's a lot of things we've been talking about in these chapters. But the last things that we've been talking about is what we see there beginning in verse 9 and truth be told on down to the end of the chapter and that is this, developing Christian character. Developing Christian character character. And those are the things that God wants for us as Christians to have in our lives. All right, The the character traits, the things that make up us what we are as Christians. Now, two weeks ago, when I began preaching about this, uh, we did talk about, and I will give you those five things that we talked about two weeks ago. Uh, We saw, first of all, in verse number nine, a genuine love for people. And folks, let me just say this. As a Christian, listen, the same love that God bestowed upon us ought to flow through us to others. Amen? And that is an uh, uh, undisputed fact all through the Scripture that we ought to then reciprocate the love God gave us to others. We talked about this, what it says, a abhor that which is evil, a detest for evil. Uh, Cleave to that which is good. Uh, Be glued to the good. Amen? That's what that means. Uh, We saw there, uh, verse 10, be kindly affection one to another. Kind 
kindred actions. And then we talked about this in love preferring one another. And that phrase means setting an unquestionable example. And so those are the things we talked about. Uh, So this morning, uh, we're going to look at the next verse here, verse 11. And listen, I don't even have to try to uh, uh, get uh, uh, as far as uh, come up with cute points. These are already given to us. Uh, No uh, analytics here. They're already given to us in the points. And uh, very simple here. And these are the three uh, areas we're going to look at this morning, what we find in verse 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So let's talk about these things this morning. And again, talking about how to overcome evil. Amen? How to overcome evil. Here's the first thing we see in verse 11, and that's this. Not slothful in business. Not slothful in business. That word slothful, it means lazy. It means sluggish. It means indulging in ease. The word business means dispatch or care, or we could say this, the things that we are involved in. The things that we are involved in. And so here's what God says for us, alright? Hey Christians, you need to not be lazy in the things that you do. Amen? Not be lazy in the things that you do. And let me tell you a principle you find all throughout the Word of God, and that's the principle of being a hard, diligent worker. Amen? A hard, diligent worker. And I love God's terminology, and I don't understand why mankind thinks they need to improve upon what God has already made perfect. Amen? Listen, by the way, let me just, let me just take a quick detour, alright? Uh, you, you need to make sure, uh, that, uh, as I'm reading the Bible, as I'm preaching from the Bible, your Bible matches what I'm preaching from. Amen? You need to have a King James Bible. And if you don't have one, let me help you. I'll get you, I'll, I'll get you a brand new Bible. Amen? That's what you need. Cause let me tell you something, folks. Those words mean something. Amen? Every word of God is pure. And, uh, for us today, uh, in the English speaking people, the King James Bible is the inspired, preserved word of God. And if you got questions about that, I'll gladly help you with that. Amen? But notice here, I love God's words. I love the, the terminology God uses. We don't need to improve upon it. Amen? And notice the word here, slothful. Slothful. And uh, man, you chase that word through the Bible and you're going to find it many a times. Here's a few of them. I don't have time to give them all to you, but let me give you a few of them to you. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. The Bible says this, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under trial. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27, The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 19, The way of the slothful man is a hedge of thorns, but the way of, right, uh, the, way of the righteous is made plain. And I got, a ver- I got a list of about 12 verses that use that word in it. And all that to say, church, listen to me, God doesn't want us as Christians to be slothful. Amen? to be slothful. So, what's the opposite of slothful? The opposite of slothful is the word diligent. Is the word diligent. And God wants for us as Christians in everything we do, not to be lazy, but to be diligent. Now, I'm going to have you turn to a verse here. This happens to be my life verse. And I want you to turn here, and I'm sure I've preached from this verse before, but I want to just give you a quick formula here of what it means to not be slothful in business. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Of course, uh, how to find that, if you go to the middle of your Bible, you'll come either probably more than likely to Psalms and Proverbs, and then right after Proverbs 
you're going to come to the book of Ecclesiastes, all right? The book of Ecclesiastes. And, uh, of course, Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon. And uh, Ecclesiastes is the reflection uh, of Solomon at the end of his life, of when he made all those bad choices and everything's starting to come full circle back to him. Very interesting verse here, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, my life verse. Here's what it says, amen? I'll give you just a second to get there. I want you to see it, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Notice what the Bible says. What, by the way, by the way, did you look back there on the mantle and you see the board back there uh, with the verse uh, that, that's on it? And I think we're going to start having a verse of the month and uh, or the verse of the bi-month or something, all right? But uh, that guess what verse is back there on the board on the mantle? It's this verse right here. Amen. Here's what it says. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. And let me tell you what you find here. Here you find the formula of what the Bible says there in Romans chapter 12 as far as not being slothful in business. Let me just give it to you real quick. First of all, look at that word whatsoever. Let me tell you what that means. It means this. Every task is important. Amen? There are no unimportant important jobs. That means this. Big jobs, all right, are important. Working for your employer is important. Doing work for the Lord is important. Hey, how about this? Brushing your teeth is important. Amen? Picking up trash is important. Listen to me, folks. There are no small jobs whatsoever. Amen? Whatsoever. I've told you before, but when I was a teenager, and uh, part of my job was to uh, help clean the church every week. And, uh, I, and I don't think uh, my pastor uh, probably meant to do it, but uh, somewhere along the lines, when I started cleaning the church, I heard a message on this verse, and let me tell you something. Uh, God spoke to me as just a as just a young man in my early teenage years about everything I did, doing my best. Amen. And I'm gonna tell you when I when I cleaned the church, I mean, uh, this verse would haunt me. Okay, I would try to maybe you know take a shortcut, but guess what? This verse would pop in my mind, and I couldn't take a shortcut. I mean, it, literally, I had OCD. I'd walk to the church, I'd see a piece of trash on the floor, I'd have to stop and pick it up. You know why? Because this verse was in my mind. And you know what I learned was this, there are no small jobs whatsoever, amen, whatsoever. By the way, we need to start looking at at everything we do as important, everything we do, amen. Here's the second thing we see, whatsoever, thy hand. By the way, it doesn't say your neighbor's hand, does it? No, you know what it says? Thy hand. You know what that means, this, mind your own business. That's what it means. Listen to me, folks. My my business that I have, and, I, and, I, and I'm referring to everything that's on my plate to do, all my responsibilities in every facet of life, is plenty enough for me. And by the way, you know what? If, if we'll be honest and if we stay busy on purpose the way we're supposed to, what you have to deal with is plenty enough for you. So you know what? Quit worrying about everybody else's stuff. Worry about your stuff. Amen? Whatsoever thy hand. Alright? I think of John chapter 21 when Jesus there was gathered on the shore talking to the disciples and and when they had gone back fishing and He called them back to Himself and He began to uh, get on Peter a little bit because Peter had denied Him. And Peter, of course, was all worried about what somebody else was going to do. And uh, Peter, uh, here's what the Bible says, Peter seeing Him talking about John Say to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? All right, Peter, instead of being concerned about himself, was concerned about John. And here's Jesus' answer. If I tarry, that if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. You know what he's saying? None of your business, Peter. 
You do what you're supposed to do. Amen? And let me just say this, folks. If you're going to not be slothful in business, all right, you'll, you'll never not be slothful if you're always concerned about everybody else. All right, get your eyes where they belong, and that's on you. Amen? Whatsoever thy hand, and here's what the next thing uh, it says, find it to do. You know what that means? Stay busy on purpose. Now, it's not a Bible verse, although sometimes you hear people quote it like it is. The saying, you know, idle hands of the devil's workshop, okay? That's not a Bible verse, but I'll say this, that's a Bible principle. Okay? Because let me tell you something, folks. Uh, let me tell you the, one of the number one ways the devil can bring you into temptation and cause you to fall for temptation is when you're not busy on purpose. Now, I'm not saying there's not downtime. But listen, if there's downtime, make sure it's on purpose. Okay? Here's what the Bible says again. Uses that word diligent. Proverbs 22, verse 29. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Proverbs 27, 23. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flock and look well to thy herds. You know what he's saying here? Listen to me. Hey, make sure that you uh, stay busy knowing what's going on in your life. Amen? And again, folks, we're talking about, this is a Bible principle here. Amen? On how to overcome evil. Now, in our minds, you know, we're thinking of how to overcome evil. Oh, put on the armor of God and go to battle with the devil. Yes, guess what? This is part of it. This is part of, this is practical stuff right here. Amen. That's what I love about the Word of God. It's a practical book. So stay busy on purpose. And then notice what else it says. Do it with all thy might. Here's what this means. Give it your best. Amen. Give it your best. Hey, listen to this. Hard work and determination beat talent every single time. Let me say that again. Hard work and, and determination beat talent every single time. Now, I'm not saying talent is important. By the way, God has blessed us all with some kind of talent. Yes, He has. The Bible Bible says that He gifts that to every single person. Now listen, your talent may not be what another person's talent is, but you have some kind of talent God has given you. But let me just say this. Yes, talent is important, but, but even with talent, talent means nothing if you're not willing to work hard to put it to use. Amen? Listen, folks, uh, God wants for us to give everything we do our best. So here's what that means, all right? Whatever time it is, okay, whatever time it is, do your best at it. That means this, when it's time to, to work, give it your best. When it's time to be in church, hey, give it your best, amen? That means right now, you're here for this time slot. You ought to be focused in on what I'm preaching on. Amen? You ought to, you ought to be, uh, uh, rebuke the distractions the devil tries to bring in your life. Why do you think that on Sunday morning I walk the property and I try to rebuke Satan and I try to pray the blood of Jesus Christ over this place? I'll tell you why. Satan wants you to be distracted if you even do come to church. Amen? If he can, if you, you're not going to let him keep you from getting here, then he wants you to be distracted while you're here. So here's what that means. When it's time to be here, you're here. And I don't just mean physically, I mean right here, amen? Mentally, you're here. You're paying attention. You're giving it your best. By the way, when we dismiss here and it's time to go home and it's time to eat dinner, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm giving that my best, amen? You better believe it. I think we're grilling burgers this afternoon, man. They're going to be, they're going to be the best, amen? I'm going to enjoy that time, all right? Listen, I don't care what it is, folks. Whatever it is, you do everything with all your might. Now, what's the motivation for this? Well, look at the last part of that verse. All right, the last part of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, 10. It says this, For there is no work, nor device, 
nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. You know what that means? You know why everything you do, you better give your best? You know why the Bible commands not to be slothful in business? You know why, folks? Because once you die, that's it. That's it. Once you draw your last breath on this planet, folks, no more opportunity to accomplish anything for eternal, uh, of eternal value. By the way, no more, no more opportunity to accomplish anything that's going to impact other people once your life on this earth is over. Once your trek here is done, it's to eternity. And nothing then, or everything done here, is what affects there. Opportunities it. Amen? So you know what that means we must do? We must, while we're here, plan our work and work our plan. Amen? And not be slothful in business. So that's the way we see this morning how to overcome evil. Let's look at the second thing we hear this morning. Or the, the second thing we see, all right, is this, fervent in spirit. Fervent in spirit. Now that word fervent, man, I love this phrase. It means this. It means to be hot. It means to boil. It means to glow. The word spirit there talks about that part of us that is uh, that, 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 that makes up part of our triune being. The part of us when we got saved is that what got born again. Amen? Let me just remind you. And again, I just talked through this. I won't go back and reteach it all. But listen, mankind is a triune being. We are body, we are soul, we are spirit. And the Bible teaches us that before you get saved, your spirit is dead. Amen? It's dead. By the way, your spirit is that part of you that communicates with God. And when you get saved, you get born again. Hey, guess what? gets born again. Your spirit's what gets born again. Amen? And here's what he says here. Listen to me. Because you're saved, because you got a newborn spirit, listen, you ought to be red hot for the things of God. That's what he's saying. Amen? Fervent in spirit. Be on fire for God. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to light your fire. Amen? Let me tell you, the world gets fired up about some things. Sure they do. I mean, come on, have you ever uh, been to a, uh, a ball game or something? Nobody just sits on the sidelines and don't say anything. Nobody doesn't sit up in the bleachers and just sit with their arms crossed, you know, staring at what's going on in the field. Oh, no, they get fired up about it, amen? I mean, so fired up, I've seen the stupid videos where people start fighting and punching and jumping over seats and all kinds of stupid stuff. Why? They're fired up about something. Now listen to me. If the world can get fired up about that stuff, what's our excuse as Christians? Amen? Let me encourage you. Get fired up for the things of God. Amen? Get fired up. Let the Holy Spirit uh, light your fire. Amen? Let me ask you a question. What fires you up as a Christian? What pushes your spiritual buttons? By the way, there's some things that ought to fire you up. If you're saved, you got the Holy Spirit of God in you, there's some things that ought to fire you up as a Christian. Let me give you some of them. How about this? Good Bible preaching ought to fire you up. Come on now, church. Let's not, let's not get a lackadaisical attitude toward preaching. I don't think you have that, but it's, listen, it's just good for me to remind you never to get there. Amen? Let me tell you one of the things I hear guest preachers say when they come through here. And this is, uh, I'm saying this to, to commend you. They tell me, uh, preacher, I like preaching in your church because you know, there's a good spirit there. People like preaching there. By the way, keep it up, amen? Like Bible preachers. You say, preacher, it doesn't always feel good. Welcome to the crowd, amen? Listen, God's not interested as much as how much it makes us feel as by what it does inside of us. Amen? I'll tell you right now, uh, uh, when you expose yourself to good Bible preaching, something's happening. Amen? You're either saying amen or oh me or oh my or something. All right? Listen, good Bible preaching ought to fire you up. How about this? Interaction with the Word of God ought to fire you up. 
Let me tell you why you ought to spend time in the Bible every morning. Because you know what it does? It kindles the fire. It kindles the fire. Amen? I mean, you, you know how that works. I mean, if a flame is low, all you got to do is put a little oxygen on that fire, and before long, that little flame turns to a glowing inferno. Amen? And let me tell you something, folks. When you interact with the Word of God, it's like pouring gasoline on a fire because the Spirit of God's inside of you. And let me tell you something. That something will start burning inside. Amen? At least it ought to. How about this? Spending time with God at His throne ought to fire you up. You know, let me tell you one of the most uh, uh, interesting things about prayer. Amen. It's not so much, you've heard me say this before, it's not so much that when we pray that we're changing God's mind. But when you pray and spend the time with God, you know what He's doing? He's changing you. He's lighting you up. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there's some, most mornings when I come to God, my flame's not very big. You know why? Because I've been sleeping in a new day and, you know, the, what, for the previous days wore off a little bit. Let me tell you, it don't take long getting around the Word of God, getting before the throne of God, and that flame begins to grow. Amen. And let me tell you, spending time with the, at the throne of God in prayer to fire you up. How about this? Spiritual Christ honoring music ought to fire you up as a Christian. Spiritual. By the way, notice I said spiritual Christ honoring. Okay? Y'all got your spiritual seatbelts on this morning? Okay? Now I'm just bragging on you for taking some good preaching. You ready to take some good preaching? Amen? The world's music ain't going to fire you up as a Christian. Hey, contemporary Christian music isn't going to fire you up as a Christian. It's the world's music. Amen? Oh, they talk about Jesus. Let me tell you something, folks. Just because somebody throws a few little Jesus words to the world's music doesn't make it right. I'm more interested in my spirit getting fed, not my wicked flesh getting fed. Amen? And the world's music isn't going to do... Let me tell you what the world's music does. Instead of firing you up, it it starts snuffing out that flame. Amen? Come on now. Spiritual Christ-honoring music ought to fire you up as a Christian. By the way, if you want some spiritual Christ-honoring music, I'll get you some. Amen? Free of charge. I'll give it to you. I'll help you get that in your life. How about this? Being around good Christian people ought to fire you up. Let me tell you why the church is important. Because we come together, amen, and, and, and the bodies together, and we feed off each other. Let me tell you, I, this experience, this happens to me a lot, amen? When I'm around good Christian people, I shouldn't say a lot every time. You know what happens to me? I literally, literally, literally feel the Holy Spirit starting to burn inside of me. You know why? Because I'm around God's people, and the, the Spirit of God in them, is, it, it's the same Spirit of God that's in me. And let me tell you, I just feel a kindred there. I feel a fire there, amen? Because I'm around God's people. How about this? Thinking about Jesus coming again fires me up. Why do you think the Bible uh, uh, talks about how that we ought to be looking for it every single day? I'll tell you why. It's motivation. Amen? It's something that will get you fired up thinking about the things of God. Thinking about, hey, there's a better day waiting on us. Amen? Man, listen, folks. As a Christian, the best is yet to come. The best. And when I think about that, it fires me up. Now, those are just a few things on my personal list that fires me up. There ought to be things that light you up as a Christian. Amen? Listen to me. Here's what, here's the Bible word for it. Zealous. We need to be zealous for the things of God. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2 verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might read. By the way, you know what the previous verse talks about? Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Surprise, surprise. Here's what comes after that. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. We need to have zeal for God. Amen? Zeal for God. I think of the church there in 
Laodicea, where Jesus came to them. And here's what He said to them. By the way, they weren't, they weren't on fire. In fact, the Bible says they were lukewarm. Alright, they were lukewarm. And Jesus said, I'd rather you be cold or hot instead of lukewarm. And here's what He said to them. Here's what His instruction was to them. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And by the way, when you get a spiritual whooping from God, be thankful for that. You know what that means? He loves you. By the way, parents, you know what it means when we discipline our children? We love them. By the way, parents who don't discipline their children, they're, they're not proving their, their love to them by not disciplining them. Amen? No, God proves His love to us by, by uh, rebuking us, by chasing us. Here's what He wants for us to be. You ready? Be zealous thereof and repent. Listen, be on fire is what He's saying. Get hot for me is what He's saying. By the way, you know the Bible talks about we can quench the fire. We can quench the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, by the way, command here, Bible command, quench not the Spirit. Don't quench the fire of the Holy Spirit of God as He's working in your life. I'm going to tell you something. The works of the flesh will quench the Spirit more than anything else. It's like putting wet blanket over a flame. The works of the flesh will. So listen to me. Hey, be fervent in spirit. Let God light you up and be on fire for God. So we see this. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. And then look at the last thing we see this morning uh, back there in our in our in our text verse, and that's this. Uh, man, I love this. Simply this: serving the Lord, serving the Lord, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. By the way, you know what that word "serving" means? You ready for this? It means being a slave. By the way, you know what? Uh, uh, God uh, hasn't abolished slavery. Oh, that's going to get me kicked off Facebook. Amen. <laughs> Right? I don't care. I'm surprised I'm still on there now anyway. I'm just waiting for the day. All right? No, you know what? By the way, you know what he's talking about here when he's talking about uh, uh, the, the word servant? He's talking about being a slave to him. Being a slave to him. By the way, let me tell you something, folks. Everybody everywhere serves someone or something. Oh, yeah. We're all a servant. To, we're all a slave to something. Okay? We're all a slave to something. I mean, you know what? The drunkard serves his booze. The druggie serves his fix. The fornicator serves their lust. Those who don't have time for God serve themselves. The backslider serves his sin. And on and on the list could go. It's kind of like the verse, Brother Joshua, as he was getting ready to pass off the scene, he said to the children of Israel, you know, the verse that we have a plaque in our house saying, right? And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? You know what Joshua said? Listen, you all do what you want. I'm serving God. Amen? And by the way, Joshua didn't take an opinion from Mrs. Joshua of whether or not that was the right decision for their family. No, he said, you know what? Hey, me and my house, we're serving God. By the way, men, lead in your families. Amen? Lead in your families. Hey, we're going to serve God. Listen, you're going to serve something. Amen? You're going to serve something. Let me give you a few reasons this morning why you ought to serve God. Why you ought to serve... the. Why you ought to be a bond slave to Jesus Christ. I'll tell you why. Number one, He's a good master. That's why. He's a good master. By the way, the booze isn't a very good master. Hey, the drugs, not a good master. Hey, the sin, the fornication, the adultery, the lust of the flesh... Not a good master, amen? Anything besides Jesus Christ is a horrible master. Jesus is a good master. 
You take, again, chase the word through the Scripture. You know how many times the Bible says how good the Lord is? Psalms 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 69, 16, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Psalm 73, 28, But it's good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all thy works. Psalms 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good. Psalms 106, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Psalms 107, verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. Psalms 118, verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. And I can read you about a hundred verses that tell us how good God is. Amen? Now, the devil doesn't want you thinking God's very good. He wants you to blame God. He wants you to start uh, accusing God when, when bad things start happening in your life. And he wants to try to convince you and try to deceive you that, that God isn't fair, that God isn't good. If God was such a good and loving God, why would He allow this to happen? That's the devil, by the way. Amen? That's not the Word of God. That's not what we learn from the Bible about God and His character. Let me tell you why you ought to serve the Lord, because He's a good master. That's why. Number two, you ought to serve God because He takes care of His servants. He takes care of His servants. I'm going to remind you something of something. And I, and I, I know what we've been talking about uh, recently, what we talked about in our business meeting last Sunday night. And those of you who are here know what I'm talking about. I know what we're hearing from this world. And oh, oh no, uh, food crisis and food shortage and what's everything going to do and, and, and how are we going to make it and the housing market's getting ready to collapse and blah, 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 blah. We hear all that stuff. I'm going to tell you, if you're not careful, start weighing you down as a Christian. And I'm going to remind you of something. Amen? Here's what the Bible says. Amen? Proverbs 10.3, The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but He casteth away the substance of the wicked. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 through 31, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not thereof. You are more value than many sparrows. I got good news for you, folks. You know what? Uh, the world can do what it's going to do. The economy is going to do what it's going to do. But hey, guess what? I got a master who takes care of me. I got a master who takes care of me. By the way, that's one of the uh, benefit packages of being a Christian. The fact that you're part of God's family. You know what God does? He takes care of His own. And by the way, He promised to provide for our needs. That word needs doesn't mean wants, America. I mean, by the way, folks, we all have way more than we need. Let's be honest. Most of us live like kings compared to the most of the population of this world. I mean, come on. We happened to, uh, it happened to me recently in one of my vehicles. Our air conditioning goes out and we think we're suffering for Jesus. Amen. I mean, man, first world problems, right? You break your screen on your cell phone and think the world's going to end. I mean, what? <laughs> Again, all that to say, he promises to take care of our needs. And so, you know what? The best thing to do is make sure he's your master. Amen. He takes care of his servants. How about this? Another reason you ought to serve the Lord. Serving the Lord brings joy. Serving the Lord brings joy. By the way, serving the devil doesn't bring joy. If serving the, if serving the devil brought, brought joy, how come so many of his servants are killing themselves? I mean, have you noticed this lately? I mean, just a, a, a pandemic of people who supposedly have it all, have it all, they got the money, they got the fame, they got whatever they humanly could desire, 
but they're killing themselves almost at a faster rate than the new cycle can keep up with. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You know why they do that? Man, I, w- I-, I pray that they'd get saved. I'm not listening, folks. I don't care who it is. I don't care whether it's the most wicked whoremonger in Hollywood. God wants to save their soul. Amen. I don't care if it's Vladimir Putin. God wants to save his soul. By the way, had Adolf Hitler repented and turned to God, God would have saved his soul. Because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Amen. Let me tell you something, folks. You know what they're finding out? The devil's a hard master. And guess what? No joy comes from serving him. Let me tell you, there sure is joy in the service of the Lord, is there not? John chapter 15, here's what Jesus said. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. By the way, this isn't one of my points this morning, but what, what, what a greater reason right there to want to serve God, the love He has for us. Man, the love He has for us. That could be a whole message in and of itself. Verse 10, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. By the way, you know what he's talking about there? If you, you look at the context of it, he's talking about loving God, serving God. If you love me, keep my commandments. Hey, hey listen, if you want to have fullness of joy, serve the Lord. Amen? If you want to have, if you want to have heartache, if you want to have disappointment, alright, if you want to just enjoy the pleasure of sin for a small little season, then go ahead and serve the devil. But I think I'll take God, amen? Philippians chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. Yea, and if I be, listen to this, this is what Paul's saying. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. By the way, we don't think those words lead to joy. Sacrifice and service. To us, those are Bad words that we don't want to hear. Sacrifice, oh man. Service, oh man. No, but you know what Paul says? If, if I be offered upon that, you know what? I joy and rejoice. The next verse, for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Listen folks, serving God brings joy. Serving God brings joy. By the way, listen to this. Listen to what those that are good and faithful servants will get to enter into. His Lord saith unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Listen to me. Heaven's going to be a very joyful place for those that serve God. By the way, it's going to be a pretty tearful, regretful place for those who don't serve God. You think everybody... Listen to me. (laughs) Again, rabbit trail, okay? Let me just tell you right now. Heaven, yes, praise God you get there. You know, some people, oh, as long as I get there, it's all that matters to me. Let me tell you, there's way more than just getting there. Okay, I'm thankful I'm getting there. I'm thankful I got my fire insurance. Amen, aren't you? And the worst day in heaven is going to be better than the best day anybody has in hell, that's for sure. I'll just tell you right now, why do you think the Bible says God has to wipe away the tears? You ever think about that? Oh, it's because we're going to be weeping over, over the lost people that go to hell. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be part of the tears. I'm going to tell you right, that ain't going to be all of them. You know how many Christians are going to weep tears of regret because instead of serving God, they serve themselves? Instead of serving God, they serve the world. And God forbid, instead of serving the Savior, they serve Satan. There are Christians that are going to be in heaven because the Bible says they're going to be saved yet as by fire. Could you imagine the day when all the rewards get handed out? And, and, and God looks at a, at a Christian who wasted their lives and didn't serve Him and will look at them and say, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Man, talk about the tears being shed then. 
So folks, all I'm trying to convince you of this, serving the Lord is worth it. Amen? Serving the Lord brings joy. And how about this? Why you ought to serve the Lord? His retirement plan is out of this world. Amen? His retirement plan is out of this world. I mean, I know a lot of people who work a job they don't particularly like. They serve in a particular area they don't particularly like. Why? Because of the retirement plan. Man, waiting to retire, waiting to retire. Man, I can't wait to get to that retirement plan. Well, let me just tell you this, folks. God has got the most amazing retirement plan anyone could ever think about being a part of. Okay? Here's a little bit of it. The Bible doesn't even tell us all of it, just a little bit of it. John chapter 14, very famous passage of Scripture. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. A lot of people are, are living to retire so they can get their house paid off. Maybe they can buy a house at the beach or a house in the mountains. Hey, listen to me, folks. I'll probably never own a house in the mountains or a house on the beach, but who cares? I don't need that. i got a mansion where I'm going. Amen? i got a mansion. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Talking about persecution. Talk about suffering for Him. Here's what He said, For so persecuted today the prophets that were before you. Hey, did you hear what He said? Listen to me. If you suffer with Him, you will be rewarded with Him. Great is your reward. Great is your reward. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. By the way, you know what's going to determine reward in heaven? Work, labor, service to the Lord. Amen? So church, I don't know how to convince you any more than what I've already said to you this morning telling you as far as what the Bible has to say about it, trying to motivate you a little bit. Listen to me, folks. Uh, it's not just about, about uh, what's to come. It's about right now. Amen? It's about overcoming evil. It's about living this successful Christian life God wants for all of us to live. Hey, it's about not having to ha- hang your head in shame when you see the Savior for the first time. That's what it's about. How do you overcome evil? Well, the Bible gives us the very practical steps here. Romans chapter 12. You say, preacher, that's a lot of stuff. Sure it is. Amen. It's not easy being, being a good Christian. It's hard. It's work. It's a battle. Right? I mean, come on, folks. Anything that's worth getting in life, you got to strive for it. You got to pay a price for it. You got to sacrifice for it. And if that makes sense to the people of this world striving for the temporal things of this life, how much more sense should that make about the spiritual world we live in and the eternal things of the next life? By the way, the eternal things of the next life are way greater than the temporal things of this life. So if, if you've got to struggle for the temporal, listen, wouldn't it make sense you'd even have to fight and, and, and struggle more for the eternal? It's worth more, Right? And so come on, folks, let's learn as Christians to overcome evil. So what did we learn this morning? Three simple things. Not slothful in business. Amen? Being uh, 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 fervent there uh, as far as on fire for the Lord. And then, of course, being a servant of the Lord. Let's pray.